0: Good to catch up
1: with Jacob Hester remotely, uh, as has not been a very good experiment for me, Jacob. I don't know about you, but I would guess sitting around for 20 minutes while I tried to figure out technology wasn't, uh, wasn't the most <laughs> enjoyable use of your time, but I appreciate your patience.
2: It's actually okay, because I was actually interviewing George Rogers, the 1980 Heisman Trophy winner from South Carolina, on our Sirius XM show, and so I was just picking the brain of one of the best running backs in SEC history. So, actually, you gave me a gift of a couple extra minutes. Oh, okay. Well, you're welcome then.
1: <laughs> are you going right. to buy me a dinner or like what? How are you going to repay me for that?
2: Uh, I will put some money towards the new Arsenal jersey they just dropped.
1: <laughs> I, I like the new Arsenal jersey. I know we were texting about it this morning. Uh, I didn't actually see your thoughts on it yet. Now that you've seen it, what do you think? It's fantastic.
2: Awesome. Also, like it. and, and I usually don't like anybody's jersey that's not Everton, so congratulations.
1: Yeah, I like the white. I like the marble look. It kind of ties in there. Uh, people aren't here to listen to us talk about Arsenal, though. They are here to listen to us talk about LSU football. Practices back. Uh, it was a crazy week last week. I went through some emotional ups and downs that uh, that just were just unbelievable. With seasons on seasons off and different conferences and stuff but it seems like the SEC is staying the course that's exciting to me just from a purely football sense and to get these guys back out at practice it feels like a sense of normalcy is returning don't don't you kind of feel that doing a daily radio show and like you actually have football to talk about now
2: you know it's funny you know speaking of interviewing George Rogers I was on with Chris Doring, who was a, a legend receiver at Florida as well and that was kind of my first question to all of them like around this time of year, doesn't your body just automatically go into football mode? Even if you haven't played in 10 years, 20 years, like it doesn't matter. Or even if you haven't, you know, if you've covered the game, right? You just know, okay, well, hey, it's August. It's getting that time. And this week kind of had that feel to it. We're getting back to some normalcy when it comes to college football, because for so long it was what if, or could we, or may we? And now it's, we know what it is. We know what the practice schedule looks like, Cody. We know the two additional opponents. We know the opening week, and now we know the full schedule. So everything's kind of happening in phases to make it feel like it truly is football season. Even though we took the windiest road possible to get there, it does feel like we finally got to it straight away.
1: Yeah, and if we can get to games, like it has the the makings of a really special season just because you get – all the conference games, and um, I, I'm really liking the way this team's looking, Jacob. Just I haven't been out to practice yet. I've I've texted a few people. I don't know if you've been out there yet or not. I, I've been just kind of trying to keep my distance a little bit, um, just to be safe. Once they kind of get in a rhythm, I may go out there and stand in a corner, a hundred feet away from everybody else, and and take in some observations. But I've texted a few people. I've asked a few people. Coach O's had some press conferences. We're, we're gonna uh, and, and Jacoby Stevens and Miles Brennan had press conferences. Um, remotely so we, we've got an idea of some things that, that have been going on they haven't gone full pads yet um, but the first thing that I wanted to talk about was something from Coach O's press conference we've talked about it on the show before I'm gonna play a little audio clip here um, because you know last year's team was all about the, the passing game throwing the ball making plays in the passing game I think there's still gonna be an element of that this year and we're gonna talk about it in a second but he Coach O was really high on the running backs. And I want to play this audio here about him talking about the running backs.
0: I think that you're going to see a different team this year. Uh, obviously, uh, the guys that we had last year were very good sort of ball. I think we're going to be very good sort of ball again, but our running game is going to be a lot better. I do
1: believe that. So, Jacob, the part of that quote that stands out to me is, is where he talks about the running game being a lot better than last year's. And last year's running game was pretty good. Uh, when you look at uh, rushing grades, PFF college had LSU's the second best running game uh, in terms of of grading it out. When you lose a first round draft pick at running back, when you lose some of the guys up front, it's hard to imagine that LSU's running game could be better. But we talked about the running back talent uh, in in the room. Maybe they can.
2: Like there's There's some studs in that room. So they were so efficient last year, right? And you just mentioned all of those numbers and stats. And we talked about it so many times. But they did use one running back for the majority uh, of that time. I mean, Clyde edwards Lair played. We've talked about it. Ninety-two percent of the plays last year. He was yeah, one of the yeah. top, you know, in the FBS as far as running back usage. And so, and it was great because it worked out. And Clyde was so good; he was an All-SEC performer, first-round pick, like you mentioned. But now with this group, you've got some versatility because all of their skill set is a little bit different. And I, I think you're going to have the ability to really mix and match and create mismatches and Keep the defense on their toes because Chris Curry and John Emery are never gonna get, you know, confused for each other, just like Ty Davis Price is not gonna get confused for those guys because they all bring something a little bit different to the table. And so I'm excited about this running game because I love competition. I love competition in training camp to see who's going to be the guy. I think that's why Clyde thrived last year. He said, you know what, it's gonna be my job. I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna win that job, and I'm going to have a special year. And that's exactly what he did. And so I love the competition of these three guys to continue to push each other in training camp, let the cream rise to the top, and let there be a lead back. And then the other two are still going to be key pieces to this offense. And so I'm excited about the running game. I'm excited that you're going to get a couple of different versions. You're going to get some downhill with Chris Curry. You know, Ty Davis-Price, we've seen what he can do against a team like Florida. When he breaks a long run, he's kind of got a little thunder and lightning to his game. And then John Emery's the ooh and I guy. And when he gets in space, he can make a play let's see what his growth looks like. Let's see how much he's matured from a freshman to a sophomore because you saw it at the end of last year. Now you didn't have to call on him because you had an all sec running back in Clyde, but you started to see him mature a little bit when he got in there late in the game. And so I want to see how much he's grown because that's a guy that I can see being a home run hitter. And the other two guys can be the guys that get you to that home run point as far as leaning on that defense power running in between the tackles. And so I'm excited about the group. I want to see which one, though, in training camp wins that job to become the guy that runs out there first.
1: Yeah, and don't forget about Kev- Kevontre Bradford either. Coach O's said a lot of good things about him and how he's, he's impressed and been better than they expected. So it's a, it's a deep room. That's one of the guys that when I get out there and actually watch practice, I want, to, I want to look at John Emery because I think he's got a chance to really improve on what he did last year. I think he might be one of those guys like a Justin Jefferson um, like even a Jamar Chase a little bit, to where that first year, they're just kind of getting their feet under them. They're figuring things out. They're making mistakes. And then year two, when they really get their shot, um, they, they they really take advantage of it and make a play. So um, that I want to now transition, uh, Jacob, to the other aspect of the offense of the passing game, and particularly one player talking about first-year players, and it's Eric Gilbert. And that's the other name that when I've texted some people – they're really, really excited about Eric, uh, Eric Gilbert. Here's uh, Miles Brennan and Jacoby Stevens um, from their press conference on Wednesday talking about Eric Gilbert, what he brings to the table.
3: He can run around like he's a receiver. I mean, and he's 250 pounds. I mean, there's been a couple of times where Eric will run around and he'll kind of bang into me and I kind of have to absorb it. He's a freak of nature, man. Like Coach O wasn't wrong when he called him Megatron and he he really can move like a receiver. But he's so, he, like I said, I think he weighs like 250 pounds. So, that's 250 pounds. That's running like a full four, 4 speed directly at you. Just having him out
1: there is, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, he 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 runs like a receiver, but, you know, we have obviously he's, he has the body type of a tight end. I don't think he's missed a single pass since we started camp. He's an outstanding athlete, and we are very, very, very grateful to have him on the roster. So I, I love at the end of that, you can kind of hear Miles, like, doing that wry smile. like, <laughs> Like, what he really wants to say is, this dude is ridiculous. And... From the couple people that I've talked to, that's what they're saying is, you know, not only is he extremely talented, he's adapting quickly, but he's got the right mindset, the right attitude. And I think he can be a real weapon. And they talked about him as a receiver and a tight end. He's going to play both spots. Like they're going to use him in both ways. You're right
2: about that. You could tell Miles was glowing when he was talking about Eric Gilbert. And you could, you know, feel it in that little laugh he gave, like almost, almost like, oh my gosh, just wait till you see this guy. And I think it's important he's not a receiver that's trying to play tight end because we've seen that in the past, and you can get away a couple of plays here and there doing that, but you're going to get exposed at the end of the day. This is a tight end that can play receiver. I think that part of it's very important because he's going to be the starting tight end on this team, and he's going to be able to put his hand in the ground if you need him to because he's got the body type if he's blocking on an outside zone or whatever it might be. But he also has the ability, the very unique ability – be an elite guy in the slot as well because he can run all the routes because he's probably going to be faster than you you know he's bigger than you we know he's the highest rated tight end in 247 sports history so all the things that we heard of him coming in they've been true so far since he's been on campus and I can always tell when a guy's creating the buzz not from what the coaches are saying not from what the players are saying that obviously helps but it's when the equipment staff, when the training staff, when the media for the team starts to see a guy and they're like, oh, my gosh, what do you see this guy? Yeah. When he gets the buzz from the entire building, that's when you know he's the real deal. And from the moment he's been on campus in January, that's what you've heard from Eric Gilbert. Obviously, you know, he was going to miss spring practice because he was recovering from an injury. Uh, and so that was a little bit of a setback, but he didn't allow it to linger. So now he's back. He's fully healthy. He's already on – the practice field. I can't wait to see how they utilize this guy. I mean, you have so many different options. You can motion him to get him in the right spot. You can line him up as a Y on the line of scrimmage if you want to. He can play an F. He can be in the slot running whatever route you want him to run. I mean, this is almost like you've got a cheat code. It's just how do you want to use him? Because I would assume that Steve Insminger is going to line him up multiple, multiple spots and not really let you get, you know, guess where he's going to be almost like okay, if you want to do this, well, he can do that. And if you want to do that, well, he can do this. And he's so, he's so versatile with, within your own offense when you have a guy. Again, I think the most important part is he's a tight end player receiver, not vice versa, because you can't really get into a tendency because he's going to be able to do wherever he lines up. He's going to be able to do that at an elite level.
1: Yeah, like LSU may have upgraded at the tight end spot, and that's incredible considering what Dad Moss did last year. I don't think he dropped a single pass all season. Two touchdowns in the championship game, he was a – huge weapon for Joe Burrow. Now you put Eric Gilbert out there and maybe he's not as reliable on day one as Thad Moss was, but he's, he's more explosive. And then the other guy is is Cole Taylor and just, just the, he just passes the eye test. Like you just look at him and he looks good in pads. Um, he, he doesn't look like a freshman. He's six, seven, he's two fifty. And so with two guys at that spot, you could put them on the field at the same time. Like you know how much Steve Insminger loves putting two tight ends on the field, and especially when they can be versatile and be moved around. He hasn't been able to do it the last couple of years because in 18, Foster was really the only healthy guy, and last year, Thad. Um, you, you could mix Thad and, and, and Phoney a little bit, but Stefan Sullivan played some receiver too, so it gives you a little bit of versatility. And in the same vein, you know, you talk about those two guys, and the receiver room is absolutely loaded this year. Like, of course, you bring back Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall. Like, we, we knew that. But if you put Gilbert at receiver, that gives you some depth there. But here, you know, Racy McMath, we've talked about him. Uh, I, I think he's in for a big year, but the two freshmen, Coy Moore and, and Keshawn Butte, like all the reviews from them so far, are really, really good. And I mean, like, the, like we were just talking about the running game and how that might be better this year and maybe more of an emphasis, yeah. but the past, like Miles Brennan's got a ton of targets to go to. And that's not even to mention Trey Palmer, who I think could have a
2: shot. So that receiver room, too, is, is just so loaded. I think it's the deepest room on the entire football team. I yeah. think you look at the depth chart, you look at the roster, there's so many receivers. You could create three teams that you feel really good about at, at receiver. You could throw mm-hmm. three different teams or three guys out there, and you'd be like, okay, that's an SEC starting lineup. And when you're breaking in a new quarterback, and, and Miles has been here, we've talked about it so many times, but still, this is going to be Miles' first year as a starter, you want to surround him with so many weapons that it makes it easier for him, and he's got that. He's got that in, in veteran players. He's got it in freshmen, and I can't wait to see who steps up because Racing McMath, to me, could start almost any SEC program, probably would start at every single one of them. I mean, he's that kind of talent. You mentioned at the end there Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer, I've covered this guy since high school. When he gets the ball in his hands, he's electric. And you mentioned a couple of the other freshmen. I mean, we saw Corey Moore at, at Rummel and what he can do. So you have the perfect mixture of veteran players, younger players, and they're all dynamic with the ball in their hands. And so I I don't know how you get get them all on the field. That's <laughs> The challenge is going to be how do you get them on the field? Who kind of finds their role? Because there's going to be roles. Like you're, you're going to have to find guys that that do this well, guys that do that well, and you know – Karis Marshall, Jamar Chase are, are always going to be on the field, but it's going to be a real battle. I, I'll, I'll keep bringing up competition in training camp because I truly think that that's when you find out who you can count on, who you can rely on, when, when things get tough, when it's 98 degrees outside and you don't really feel like being out there. Well, what are you still going to give your team? And I think the receiver room, more than any room on this LSU football team, is going to have the biggest competition because you have so many talented guys fighting for really, one, one one-and-a-half kind of receiver spots right now. Speaking of depth, one spot that took a little bit of hit on depth is the defensive
1: back room, which, you know, if you're coming into the season, if receiver wasn't the deepest room, defensive back may have been it. But Kerry Vincent opts out for the season, um, taking care of himself, getting ready for the NFL draft, especially at a time like this. I think that's a decision we can all understand and respect. That puts the onus now on Cordell Flott to step up even more. And Jacoby Stevens was talking about Cordell Flott yesterday in his press conference. Let me play that clip real quick.
3: Those guys, uh, they've done a great job. Uh, They accepted the challenge. And um, like I said, Cordell's always been, he's always been a a guy that we've depended on. Um, It's nothing new for him. Um, He's going to, you know, he's going to, now he's the clear starter. And uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're expecting a lot from Cordell. The same thing with Radarius and, and the guys that are going to uh, take the role after Kerry left. And um, like I said, like Coach O said, it's always next man up and we don't blink. So uh, the, the exception doesn't change.
1: Obviously, Cordell Flatt's going to have to step up and, and play a big role. Probably takes over that nickel job um, for LSU. And then you put Elias Ricks on the outside. Maybe you put a Jay Ward on the outside. And Jay Ward and Radarius Jones are two guys that, haven't talked about a ton just because they haven't seen the field as much as those guys, but all, all three of those guys, um, when you look at those guys that were freshmen last year, kind of in the similar mold of long athletic needed time physically to, to adapt Cordell was probably a- ahead of the curve more than the other guys physically. But with Jay Ward and, and Ray Jones, you've got two guys in a similar build. And I'm curious to see how much those two guys and Elias Ricks kind of battle it out and see who can, you know, emerge from that competition, which is what this time of year, as you mentioned, is all about. They're not the they're not the Eric Gilbert or um, you know the 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 John Emery, the big five star name that on the recruiting trail that when they signed and committed, people were you know head over heels for. But they're guys that that Corey Raymond's been so good at finding these guys that I don't want to say they're under the radar because they're elite prospects, but they're just under that that cusp of where. You know, everyone's freaking out about the five-star signee, but they come here like a greedy Williams, um, like you've seen with with Flott last year,
2: and they just make plays, and I think that's what all these guys can do. So Cordell Flott last year, because Christian Fulton was, was banged up kind of during training camp, got a lot of exposure and he got a lot of experience, and you could tell that played throughout the season, just getting that training camp experience against Jess, uh, Justin Jefferson, against Jamar Chase, having those battles within training camp and – I thought last year as a freshman, I thought he was fantastic. Now, what do you do? Do you put him in the slot and Elias Ricks on the outside? That's what we all kind of assume. But you can, you know, rotate Flott if you wanted to go outside and Jay Ward come inside. And you do have the ability to do that, even though Flott in the slot, go ahead and print the shirts. I think that's, you know, (laughs) marketing-wise. Let's just go ahead and do that. But. Also, Jay Ward had a a nice training camp a year ago, but I think he got overshadowed because Cordell Flott was exceptional. And I think Cordell Flott kind of uh, stole some of the headlines. But Jay Ward is a guy that they're counting on as well. And they're going to have to because Kerry Vincent was going to be a starter on this football team. If you play nickel in college football in, in 2020, you know, this time with all the spread and everything that goes on, you're going to be considered a starter because you're going to be on the field so much. And so if you do move Cordell Flott to the nickel, I do feel strong. About his ability there. Now, Elias Ricks, now that's going to be the pressure position. All right, you're a true freshman. We just saw what another true freshman across the way, Derek Stingley Jr., did. Now, you don't have to be Derek Stingley Jr., you just got to be the best version of Elias Ricks. And we know Elias Ricks was the top corner coming out last year, so he has the ability. But there's going to be people that try and teams that try to pick on Elias Ricks off the top because they're not going to throw at Derek Stingley Jr. right now. And so, Elias Ricks is important to Kerry Vincent leaving the team as anyone, even though he might not be playing the same position. So, we know he has the ability. Everything we've heard coming out of camp has been positive for Elias Ricks. But I think you're going to have to count on everybody, Cody. Jay Ward's going to have to step up. He's going to be asked to play. When you're a defensive back in college football in 2020, they're going to throw receivers out there. You're going to play so many defensive backs. When I was playing at LSU, it's like, okay – well, we know who our two corners are. We know Stelts is gonna be a safety. We know we're gonna have, you know, maybe you know, Chad Jones was kind of that guy that would come in and, and fill in here, there, but it's gonna be Curtis Taylor for the most part at the other safety. You played five, maybe six defensive backs where it's eight to ten now. So everybody's gotta be ready. Jay Ward's gotta step up, Elias Ricks has to step up, and everything we're hearing so far is they've done that because Kerry Vincent look played a long time, played a lot of football. LSU got better at the uh, end of last year so I'm excited to see where they kind of place everybody because I think we assume that it's going to be this that and the other but I want to see where they place everybody because college football teams as well are trying to put their best receiver in the slot as much as they can Justin Jefferson did it last year for LSU's prolific offense right so they're putting their best guys in the slot to try to see okay is your third corner going to be able to cover our best receiver. So teams have had to adapt to that defensively. They've had to maybe move who they think is their first or second best cover guy into the slot to, to try not to create that mismatch for the offense.
1: The other defensive spot that I think all eyes are on right now is with the shift of the 4-3, edge rusher, who steps up there. Coach O talked about that a little bit in his press conference. Let me play two clips from Coach O talking about his edge rushers.
0: And then in the defensive end spot, we've got Andre Anthony who's doing very well. Yeah, and then uh, those guys, uh, the young guys behind them, Philip Webb and B.J. Ujalleri, I think they're outstanding pass rushers. Travis Moore is doing great at left end. He's actually starting at left end. and Him and Andre are starting. I think those guys are doing phenomenal. So I think that uh, with the defensive line, we have a lot of depth. Justin Thomas will not be with us. Uh, he, he left the team. And uh, and we wish him the best. Uh, so unfortunate, but he will not be with us. Uh, TK McClendon is just getting back to the team. Uh, he took a little time off. So he's going to have some uh, work to do in conditioning. Uh, I think that uh, eventually he can be a tremendous pass rusher, but for right now, he's just getting back into shape. But I do believe having a 4-3 defense, the way we're going to attack the guy the guy that I'm, I'm really impressed with is Ali Gay. He's had a great summer. Uh, he had a great day yesterday. He's long. He's 6'6". six. He's got long arms. Obviously, I talked about B.J. Ojulari, Philip Webb. But I think they're two of the best young pass rushers that I've ever been around. So I feel good about Andre Anthony. I feel good about the direction we're going in.
1: Two of the best pass rushers that I've ever been around. I mean, Coach O has been around some dudes that can rush passers. So Philip Webb, B.J. Ojulari, and then Allie Gay, the junior college transfer guys we haven't seen guys we don't know anything about really and probably won't know much about until we put on pads and and see them uh, in live action but it sounds you know when coach says that to me like that's something you could put a little stock in is a guy that's been around some elite pass rushers here at LSU previously at Miami USC other stops sounds like he's he's happy with the guys there despite the attrition with Justin Thomas leaving with TK McClendon out for right now it
2: sounds like he's happy with the depth there. Yeah, he hadn't stopped talking about the two young pass rushers, and he doesn't have to do that. He's not recruiting anymore. He's doing that because they have proven that to him out there on the football field. And that's one of the positions, Cody, that you can transition from high school to the college ranks and make an impact. Now, they're not going to be out there every single defensive play, but on third downs, if I can tell you, okay, line up here and go get after the quarterback, that's something that you can do, and it doesn't take – you know this huge jump from high school to college, as far as you know the, the playbook being too big or the moment being too big. No, line up on the end, go get the quarterback and get a sack. And so you've got two young guys that so far have impressed everybody on the LSU staff. And I think it's also important that he mentions that you got Andre Anthony. You you've got more. You've got some veteran players, and then Ali Gay is gigantic. I mean, I, in spring practice, I remember going out there <laughs> saying, "Okay, uh, who's that guy?" Because obviously. He signed in, in this last class, and that's a guy that they're counting on. And remember, let's go back to it. Bo Pelini loves big defensive ends that are kind of built like this. Mm-hmm. Tyson Jackson kind of comes to mind. Tyson Jackson was a big body. Uh, you know, in, in today's college football, maybe a lot of people would consider him a, a defensive tackle, but no, that's kind of what Bo Pelini likes. He likes guys that have that size, that can rush the passer. They can They can get off the football, but also they can be strong in setting the – point and setting the edge there against the run. So I would expect Ali Gay to play a lot. And by the end of training camp, if he became a starter, especially on first and second down, that wouldn't surprise me at all because I think he has the skill set that fits a Bow Pelini defense. Yep. And you're
1: going to see those guys move around as, as coach always says, the depth chart is written in sand. I think that that definitely applies at defensive end. Uh, I'm not going to play any audio for this one, but he also talked about the the guys in the middle and that's another spot that I feel like there's a lot of depth with, with, uh, with with Apu Aika back, with Tyler Shelvin back. Um, th- those are two guys that you know all about. Glenn Logan going to play inside as well. I think you feel really confident there. But then Coach o really, really heaping praise on uh, Draquelin Roy, uh, Roy. I can't say that name. Uh, he, he really likes Roy. He really likes what he can do uh, inside and, and another guy that passes the pad test. So, you know, that's the, that's the biggest shift with this defense is, is the change in responsibility up front with those guys in the trenches, and it feels like uh, a tackle especially. Like The ends, we just don't know much about. It sounds like he's high on them. The tackles, we know all about. We've seen these guys. We know they can play, and so I feel like that part of the defense feels pretty good right now.
2: I think when you look at the young defensive tackles, they're going to definitely play. It's going to be a rotation of, of those big bodies up front. That's not really something that, that Coach O's had the ability to. He's tried to work to that point to get that depth at that defensive tackle position because when when he took the job, Cody, I mean, it was extremely thin. We all remember the game Christian Lockhart had to play the entire game basically at Florida because he had, you know, an injury here, a suspension there, uh, you know, for a targeting and, All of a sudden, there goes your depth, right? Well, he has built that depth, and it is as high as it's ever been. But I want to talk about a veteran player. I I truly think Glenn Logan could be one of the top three or four most important players on this football team. I think that this defense is set up for his skill set. I think he thrives under Bo Pelini. I think he is going to play that three-technique defensive tackle position at an extremely high level. If at the end of the year it comes out and Glenn Logan's first team all SEC, that would not surprise me whatsoever and I truly believe that when he was out last year the defense felt it a little bit I mean he has such a presence and he's he's not a guy that gets a lot of the headlines there's not a lot of flash there but he is it just brings a stability to this defensive front that I felt like didn't get appreciated uh you know by people on the outside of the program a year ago and I think this year is going to be the year where he really steps up and becomes not only the leader on the defense, but a guy that the entire conference recognizes as one of the best defensive linemen in the entire conference.
1: And on a team with so much attrition, veteran presence is just going, going to be huge for this team. And Glenn Logan certainly fits the billing there. Andre Anthony, who we talked about earlier, fits the billing there. Hester, I want to end on this. And this is something that I don't know if you can relate to or not with a with team because this is a team coming off a national championship. This is a team that um, – Came off of is coming off a historic season. And Coach O's well aware of that, and he's invested time in that. He had a really interesting quote uh, and some insight into how he's changing his approach with this year's team. I guess not changing, but his approach with this year's team versus last year's team.
0: First of all, Bobby April is an analyst for us. And Bobby did a study uh, of teams that won championships in the year after. And he went and interviewed some of the players. And ask them, say, "Hey, what's some of the things that you think the coaches did well? What's some of the things that you think that the coaches didn't do well?" And one of the most common mistakes is to mention last year's team and compare this year's team to them all the time. So we don't do that, but we do mention leadership. We mention LSU standard of performance. Uh, yesterday, I purposely made the first practice very tough to make sure that we're doing the little things right. And I think that's how I got my message, that, you know, it's not going to be just going to win a championship last year. It doesn't mean we're going to win it again this year.
1: So he's put a lot of thought into this. I thought that 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 study that they put in, uh, obviously he gleaned a lot more information from that than, than he revealed there, but just shows you the, the links that he's going to, to make sure that there's a clear separation. I've told the story before about how literally the day after the national championship game, he's walking to his press conference 7 a.m. with me and Michael Barnett and Derek Panamski and a couple others, and he's already talking about next season. Like He, had already, he was ready to attack the next season, and I think that mindset's
2: going to be huge this year. You can't lean on the championship from the year before. You can't create that mindset, and you're exactly right. I remember being on the stage of the national championship parade, and I'm just sitting there talking with Coach O, and he was enjoying the moment, but he also said, I'm ready to get to next year. I'm ready to move on because we can't just sit here. I want to win championships, plural. I don't want to win just a championship. And you have to have that mindset. It has to happen organically. You can't force that. You can't say something but really be thinking about the championship from last year. So it has to be the entire program's mentality. Last year was great. We celebrated the hell out of it, right? Okay, well, let's cut bait. Let's move on and let's create our own championship let's create this momentum where we're a dynasty and not just one singular championship because look I've said it for a long time I don't feel like the 2008 LSU team capitalized off the 07 championship I think there's things you can capitalize off a championship without talking about it and you know didn't do it in 2008 and that was a season uh you know in LSU standards that wasn't the best and so you have to create momentum without, you know, leaning on it. You have to create your own momentum. You have to continue to build the legacy, build the brand that next year, because one championship is fantastic. Do not get me wrong, but you want to be a program. And Coach Hill wants to build this program where that's almost the standard, playing for championships and not just the exception to the
3: rule.
1: Hester, appreciate your time today. Uh, I know we're, we're cutting it tight here, so I'll let you get to your radio show. I'll end on this. The last thing that, that I didn't talk about. I'm hearing that number 7 is vastly improved from last year. The, the Bolitnikoff winner is Impro- much improved. He's much better and much improved. That's a scary thought.
3: Mm.
2: Hey, good luck, uh, corners, <laughs> safeties, and nickels in the SEC this year because if he's improved from what he did a year ago, he was already on your highlight tape and not for a good reason. He's going to be featured even more this year on your highlight tape.
1: I think I could have a pretty decent year of quarterback just throw into that guy. Just throw <laughs> it up to Jamar, let him go get it. Hester, appreciate your time, man. Always, man.
2: Appreciate you.
0: Like to Bowl, we fight the hold the glory of the purple and gold. Come on, you Tigers. I said, fight, fight.